Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. I don't know why you are not visiting hashtag i mean maybe you are i don't actually log i don't get a log of who's visiting and who's not visiting hashtag basketball.com so i'm going to assume that you are but if you're not hashtag basketball.com go check it out i am your host mike katrin and joining me as always is tyler p watts what's up tyler cool uh it's been a wild few days in the nba i guess we could say that a lot right um in season, in season tournamentness set, uh, schedule set for the next Mal- week, which we were questioning, right? Yeah. Um, enjoyment of the last round of the in season tournament. I think I'm go. I'm I'm, I'm going to be salty about it because of fantasy and the uh, scheduling and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think like. No, I'm going to watch the tournament. Everybody's saying, like, oh, this tournament's stupid. It's busted. Nobody knew anything that was going on. And I'm, like, I'm kind of with them. Like, I didn't know when the games mattered and when they didn't. And I didn't really get, like, good updates on that. But, like, I'm going to watch the tournament. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we got some fun quarters. Right? I mean, like, I feel like all those games are interesting on one level or another. Yeah, I'm just I'm a little salty about what happened with the uh, the Celtics. Why are you salty hey. about this? Why is Michael salty about the Celtics? Well, it, if I'm salty about something in the NBA, it's it's like a 99 percent chance it has something to do with the Chicago Bulls and how uh, absolutely shitty and terrible they are, um, and so. I'm actually salty because I I wanted Orlando to go to the tournament. That's what that's what I'm actually salty. I'm not salty that the Bulls went 0 and 4 uh in their in their group. I think are they the only team? No, don't worry. The Wizards and Detroit, Memphis and the Spurs all went wow, oh man, we're one of those teams, huh? All right, cool. We they all went 0 and 4. So I'm not salty that um that the Bulls went 0 and 4. I'm also not salty that the Boston Celtics tried to run up the score on the Bulls so they could make the tournament. I'm not really. I'm, I'm salty that the Bulls allowed them to, ensuring that the Orlando Magic, my favorite team to watch, will not be in the the in season tournament. When like I feel like the in season tournament is perfectly made for a young hot start. Currently, like, on a nice roll team that is playing against, like, the big boys. You know what I mean? Like, go show go show out against, the against like, the best teams in the East. But now it's like, uh, you know, here's the Celtics. Like, who cares? I don't want to see the Celtics play. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I get that. Uh, Celtics also are just, like... Uh, we know what they are, and they're not quite as fun without Porzingis anyways, so I guess I can understand that frustration. Yeah, Pelicans um, are a nice entry, and then like the Lakers taking the tournament way too seriously is at least comical. It's kind of funny that they're taking it very, very seriously. 
um kind of sad in, in, in a way but uh, i think i went into that last time we will see at least we kind of know then what teams next week will be part of the tournament only playing in i, I think i believe they're only you're, they're only playing in tournament games while everyone else is playing on like wednesday and friday Yes, which is not great, obviously, for fantasy, but uh, we did get those Worthless. schedules. And the Mavericks got a, a real bad one. They play in Dallas uh, against Utah and then have to go to Portland for a one-game trip, uh, which obviously going to Portland for a one-game trip is never ideal. No, not at all. I don't like that. I don't like that uh, back-to-back. Uh, it's like a pseudo back-to-back, I guess. But, you know, we know now who's going to be in the tournament. I think, like, next week's going to be, like, I'm not, I don't even know if we need to do a preview next week because you know what's going on next week, right? You see who's playing in the games. You know there's going to be a tournament game. I'm I'm going to watch the I'm going to watch the game on Saturday, and there's really no opportunity to stream at all whatsoever. Pick up the guys in the tournament, I guess. I don't know. That's it. That's all for next week. So instead of focusing on next week, which this episode was never about next week anyway, um. We gotta, we gotta focus on little buy low, sell high action. It's time. It's time. If you haven't been, we we said this in a podcast last week. Now's the time to think about the playoffs. And then we kind of explained how and what you should be looking for, what kind of trends, what kind of teams, what kind of players you should be looking for on your team. Well, now. Let's go look at these players. We, we've most of these teams, most of these um, teams have played sixteen-ish games, sixteen, seventeen games. It's a nice subset of games, um, and we're approaching a period of time where the the means are about to revert, Tyler. Which means not only are players who are playing out of their mind probably going to start playing a little less well, but Players, and you've already seen this with with uh, certain players like Jeremy Grant or Julius Randall, they're going to start playing back to what they normally produce. But what I'm what I'm kind of interested in is um, the players that you, people might not be thinking of, who have a nice rest of the year outlook, who might be buy lows right now, even though they're not like shooting thirty two percent, which is like an obvious reason to. I low on anybody who's good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sorry, it doesn't help when you talk when you're muted. That doesn't doesn't do any good. So, um, yeah, Still working was, it out. Yeah, I'm. I'm I got to get my life together. You know how you it's, know how it works. It's year seven of podcasting. We're still we're still figuring it out. But yeah, okay. So what's what's the question? Who we got? Where where are we going? Where's it at? I was hoping you had some players to figure out. Um, all right. Okay. All right. I will start then. I'm going to ask you some questions. There's a very specific player I've had an eye on for a little while now. And he's having a very good year in general for who he is. What does it mean? And, and this team's playing well. The Minnesota Timberwolves are playing very well. Rudy Gobert is playing exceptionally well for Rudy Gobert. Right? He's averaging... 12 points, 11.5 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, while shooting almost 
60%, of about 58.7%. Um, is this Rudy Gobert? It's only been 17 games. He's looked good. But how much faith do you have in Rudy Gobert for the rest of the season? Is it, We haven't seen Rudy Gobert do anything like this in a while, and certainly not in Minnesota. And there's a part of me that just doesn't believe that the Timberwolves have, quote-unquote, figured it out. Uh, but it's really just the blocks that are different from last year. He's actually averaging one less point and .9 more blocks. Um, now you got to remember, Cat didn't really play last year, save for, what, like 30 games? Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was injured. Man, this team is very hard for me to figure out. Um, for a lot of reasons, I guess, mostly because they have a really big like financial hurdle coming up. And so do they just trade Cat before the deadline and then Gobert is the center and the anchor of the defense and we don't have the problem anymore? I don't really know the answer to that question, and I think maybe it'll depend on you know where they're at in the standings. Like obviously they're leading the Western Conference right now; they're thirteen and four. Uh, they have the second best record in the NBA. So like it's going to be hard to trade one of your key pieces if you have the second best record in the NBA. Um, can they keep it You're up? Not going to do it. Uh, I mean Anthony Edwards took that hard fall the other night uh, in the in-season tournament game, so hopefully he's all right and not injured. Um, if that's the case, then I think. You're just going to kind of stay the course here. And the question then becomes, how many shots can Gobert block? I mean, he blocked two a game throughout his entire tenure in Utah, so I don't know why we don't think he can't keep blocking two shots a game for Minnesota. All right. I I kind of like... I know we always say, like, avoid these types of players. Your your points, rebounds... Like, just rebounds blocks guys, because he's not getting, like, you significant points. You're getting no assists. You're getting no. Your free throws are tanked. You're getting no threes. But like for some reason, I like Rudy Gobert in this situation because he doesn't have the um, like the allure of uh, Walker Kessler or Nick Claxton, all these young guys that people are shooting high draft picks after. It's Rudy Gobert. Like people were like, eh, I don't really want Rudy Gobert. He's not doing very well. But he's well, he's doing the same thing those guys are doing, except for his rebounds are like approaching twelve. And that's that's really really nice. I don't know if this is like a buy low situation, but I if if you believe that the Timberwolves are going to continue to thrive, if you do really believe that they've figured it out, then I I think Rudy Gobert is a buy low situation. Uh, not because he's like ranked low or he's playing poorly, but because seventeen games into the season, I think the general consensus on Rudy Gobert is like, yeah, he's all right. But in reality, he's one of the best rebounders in the league and one of the best shot blo- blockers in the league, and he's going to sustain that for the rest of the season. That's, that's Those are kind of like hard assets to find at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I feel like there are many hyped guys that people are more in on than Gobert, and that, I think, is what makes him even more valuable, right? Like. There are guys like in this range where people are like, oh, yeah, you got to get this guy. And he does the exact same thing as Gobert. And I'm like, but yeah, but I'm actually having to pay for him. Like, who's, what are you paying for Gobert right now? Like, he's the 75th ranked player right now. Are you even paying that? I don't think you are. No, you probably, you probably don't have to pay much to get Rudy Gobert. In fact, I would imagine unless 
he's on a team that is um, absolutely punting free throws, you're, the the manager that has Rudy Gobert on their team might be looking to unload Rudy Gobert because they're tired of him shooting 60% from the line. Yeah, true. Could you trade someone like, hmm, uh, Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and, like, that's that's a win. That's a win for you every time. Um, you know, some other guys like Malcolm Brogdon, maybe. If you have Malcolm Brogdon, you might be like, hey, man, some decent assists here. 18 points, couple threes, decent rebounds. Like, I bet you could make that trade in some leagues. Yeah, I think you could probably get away with... Um, well, I, I don't think I would trade Max Strauss, but, like, that might be a little too high because he's playing pretty well. And that actually might... Um, we might want to talk about him as well. But, like, I don't know if you had, like, a, a buddy healed. Like, all right, cool, yeah, I got threes. Um, you got rebounds and blocks. I'd rather have two categories than one. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's talk about Max Strauss. That's another player who's had like an exceptional start through the season on a new team in a, in a different role on a team that has seen both Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland uh, sit out at various times. They've really only played together maybe three or four games. Max Strauss has kind of been the secondary guard whenever the one of those two guys is out. He's also been, like, an incredibly important role player when those guys are playing. So, Adam Mitchell, Darius Garland, I'm going to I'm gonna say they're obviously going to play, like, 60-some games, right? They're, they're going to be out a little bit more this season. But they've already been out, you know, a handful of games already. Let's say they're relatively healthy this season, uh, for the rest of the season. Where, what's Max Strauss's role on this team, is he continuing to be as fantasy-relevant as he currently is if Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are healthy? I am deathly afraid of owning Max Strauss. I would actually trade him for anyone inside the top 100 right now, if I could. Ooh. I would trade him okay. for Gobert in an instant. Like If I had him and I, I could get Gobert, I would do it in an instant. Here's I, why. I would. Go ahead. I'll give, I'll give you three reasons why. Okay. First off, steals. How many steals per game did Max Struess get in 28 minutes last year? Not, not a whole lot. 0.5. Yeah, and now he's at 0.9. So he basically doubled it in four more minutes a game. That's not sustainable, really. Now, we talk about it like steals could be fluky, but at the same time, like I'm going to revert back to the entire rest of his career where he never really got any steals. Uh, thing number two, how many blocks did he have per game last year? I'm going to say 0. 0.5. 0.2. Now he's up to really? 0. 0.7. Right, so he has three, three and a half times as many blocks per game. Um, he's not going to block 0. 0.7 shots a game, so that's going to tank. Then you're looking at the rest of the line, and you're going like, okay, if there's not really any steals and not really any blocks, what do we like here? Like, what's good? And... The answer might be, I don't know. Like, the threes are plus. The four assists are plus. But, like it, like you said, if they get healthy, like, is he even getting four assists a game? No, he's probably more at, like, two and a half to three. 
And then again, like mm. he's really not good in any category except for he's making you like three threes a game. So plus he might lose a few points too. Like I mean, he only averaged eleven and a half last year. Does he drop to like thirteen? And then you're talking about a guy who's suddenly ranked outside the top 100 by just losing those little bits and little bits and little bits and little bits. Okay. Well, you know what? This uh, I'm going to make an argument for Max Rose. I think you made a fairly significantly good argument against him playing at this level um, for the rest of the season. My argument for him playing at a similar level, because I, I don't know if I can... I, I definitely agree with you that the blocks and steals are a little elevated. Steals are kind of like fluky, where suddenly a guy does average one steal a game. I do think the blocks have to come down, but like that's such a crazy jump from zero point two blocks to to almost a block a game. Like that's that's pretty silly. My argument for holding on to him instead of selling high, which you've made a good argument about selling Max Strauss high, is that Strauss. I think does absolutely have to play 32 minutes on this team, even when everybody's healthy. And we often say that the most important thing in fantasy basketball is minutes. And we have seen when um, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are healthy, is that he usually plays over 30 minutes a game, close to 32. And so he's not, he's not just part of this rotation. He continues to start even when Garland and and Mitchell are healthy. So I think Strauss's place on this team is solidified. He's in his prime, he's 27, so it's not like he's like taking a leap or anything here. But like he is probably going to be playing the best basketball he's ever played, and now he's getting the opportunity to play the best basketball he's ever played. And the rebounds from a guard situation is that since, you, since he's a little bit above average in assists and rebounds, and he's almost at three three-pointers a game, he's kind of like one of those... Um, I'm trying to throw back to like the Otto Porter days, where uh, he's just kind of good at every little thing. Even if the steals and blocks goes go down, right... He's still a fancy standard player. And I don't think if you try to sell high on Max Strauss, you're you're, you're going to get a lot for him. Right? You said do anybody in the top 100. Well, yeah, you're probably only going to get somebody in that like 75 to 100 range. Uh, and right now he is currently ranked in the top, well, no, not in the top 50. I'd have to click, click, click back to 63rd. 63rd. That's pretty close. That's close enough. That's close enough. That's well, I mean, just look close. Just look at the guys around him. Who would you rather have the rest of the year? Brandon Ingram or Max Strews? Ingram. Uh, Vucevic or Strews? Vooch. I don't know about that. Yeah, Vooch. Franz Wagner or Strews? Mm, Franz Wagner. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. or Struess? Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has played pretty well this year. Probably probably, yeah, probably Michael Porter Jr. Gobert, Drew Holiday, Jaron Jackson Jr., mm. Martin Rosen. Yeah, I definitely like all that, Drew guys, Holiday. All these guys are ranked below him, and I think 
Those are the type of names. Like, people are frustrated with Drew Holiday. People are frustrated with Jaron Jackson Jr. People are frustrated with a lot of these players. Like, oh, you know, I want Franz Wagner. I thought he was going to be a top 50 guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, you want someone better? Here, I'll give you this better guy. And he turns out that he's not better at all. Yeah, well, Tyler, I think you made a very good point. When you put Robert to the road, you showed me the actual players I can get for Max Strauss. Kind of want all those players. Um, especially if someone is foolish enough to give me Drew Holiday. I feel like that's a great... Um, that'd be a great steal to get Drew Holiday for Max Strauss. Because like right now, they're kind of doing similar stuff, except Drew Holiday's better at assists and rebounds. But, like, Drew Holiday has always been a steals guy, and his steals are basically non-existent. I think those steals do come back. Like, maybe not to the extent that they normally are with Drew Holiday, but I, I think they approach one instead of half a steal a game. You know, maybe his blocks come down a little bit, but we know what Drew Holiday is capable of. And Drew, I mean, Drew Holiday ain't going anywhere. He's going to be playing 34 minutes a game. Exactly. You mentioned one of my other guys, Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, I have one hesitation here. He feels like an obvious buy low. So, you know, Drew Holiday to me is an obviously certainly buy low. But Jaron Jackson Jr., I know, okay, I know everybody is going to be like, yeah, he's obviously buy low, you moron. He's shooting 41%. He's not going to shoot 41% for the entire year. This Memphis team is bad. This Memphis team is really, really bad. And they're asking Jaron Jackson Jr. to do a lot more than he's used to. And right now, that hasn't been the best experiment. And, like, at some point, we talked about this with um, John Morant maybe a few weeks ago. At some point, Memphis is going to look around and go, I don't think we can even make the play-in when John Morant gets back. What do we do here, especially if Jaron Jackson Jr. is he's playing, he's getting you 19-6 in a block and a half. That's really nice. Uh, like, I'd argue what's, what's going to happen here? Like, his minutes are only going to go down, in my opinion. What's hurting him more than jobbing out is the lack of center, I think. Because he's got to take on more responsibility of like, Guarding, you know, certain players that are big men, right? Like, because they don't have the Steven Adams to take on that role of like he's going to guard the biggest guy on the court, right? And like Bismack Biombo is their starting center, but like he was not signed at the beginning of the season for a reason, right? And like Santi Aldama, like can't really handle those like huge guys if he's the guy playing minutes, right? So like Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing more five, and that's not letting him like roam and block shots, which like. The only thing that's down for Jaron Jackson Jr. are his field goal percentage and his blocks. As far as fantasy wise, like everything else is about the same or up. So, does he start blocking three shots a game without a center? I would tend to say no. That's fair. I. I worry about him. Like it, it feels like an obvious. It feels like an obvious buy low. It turns into, oh, this is just the season you're gonna get from Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm actually worried about him for the the whole like injury 
and foul reasons more so than anything too. Is like you mentioned, it, he can't play any more minutes because he gets three point four fouls a game, yeah. and he's always been a crazy foul guy. That has not gotten better at all. And I mean, I get it. He played sixty three and seventy eight games the last two years, but like eleven. 57, 58 are his first three years. So, like, to say that he's going to stay healthy and play 75 games is also a bit of a gamble. So, like, I don't think I'm buying Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. I don't think I'm selling Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. Like, if he's on my team, I'm probably just holding him and hoping he gets better. If I don't have him, I don't think I want him. Yeah, I don't think you can sell low, but every once in a while, and it depends on your league and it depends on how active people are and how they're feeling about it, right? You obviously don't want to sell low. But right now, Jaron Jackson Jr. is still Jaron Jackson Jr., right? You, 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 you hear the points that, that Tyler made. He's getting 19 points. He's getting a block and a half, right? He's getting six rebounds. So, like, you go look at last season with three blocks, but he... Hey, I think I'm a I'm I'm another owner. I need blocks. Oh shit! I could go get Jaron Jackson Jr. He had three. He was he had three blocks last season. Three blocks per game. That's crazy. He's just shooting poorly. That's why he doesn't look that good. His range is that good, but he's still getting points. Imagine imagine if he was shooting closer to fifty percent, like he did last season. Hmm, man. He would be really, really good. So you're not necessarily selling low because you're not like getting just taking whatever you want. Like, oh, whatever I can get for Jaron Jackson Jr., I better do that. But if you can sell Jaron Jackson Jr. as like a top 30 player, a top 35 player, where the person you're selling him to thinks they're buying low. By giving up a good player for what they think is a great player and you end up getting a good player for what is essentially a struggling okay player that's a good deal for you and i think that's what i would be trying to do i would be trying to shop jaron Jackson jr but only for those players who command you know that, that top 40 value instead of looking for somebody who's in that plateau region I would say that I would kind of do the same thing with Desmond Bain, right? Like, I'm trying to sell Bain, like, now where there's still a good gap before, like, John Maria comes back. Because, like, Bain's going to be good, but he's going to be the 29th-ranked player. No, he's probably well, more I mean, the that point, like, Obviously, the points and the shots go down. Right, so he's probably more sense. in that, like, like 40-ish range, like 35-40. And so, like, if I can sell him for, like, a, third, a second or third-round player, like, right now... I might do that, you know what I mean? Like, I might, you know, take shot on maybe even somebody who's struggling who's normally in that range and just, like, there's one. I, uh, you have uh, Desmond Bain, and I have James Harden. Would you make that trade? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, because I... I uh... I don't know. I think I, I, I might... Uh, eight assists in the last, like, handful of games. James Harden, 15-5. and five. 
But eight assists, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks. That's in the last... Um, I cannot tell <laughs> how many games that is. That doesn't seem six. right. Six games. In the last six games. Um, that's pretty... I think that's kind of a toss-up, actually. Yeah, and Harden's got to score a little bit more. Um, he's also just yeah. got to, like, do a little bit more in that respect. Yeah. I think he does uh, need to pick up. And I think he will. I think Harden will figure out how to play within that system. I think he'll end up shooting better than um, 42%. Maybe not significantly better than 42%, but he's not going to, he's not going to approach the points. I think even Desmond Bain, when John Morant comes back is closer to 20 than James uh, points per game, than James Harden will be by the end of the season. But oh, can I offer a counter? Okay. Yes. How many games do does Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play combined? Kyle Leonard and Paul George combined. You know what? I mean, they've actually been playing, which is nice to nice to see. It's nice to see that they've actually been playing some uh, some games together this season. If you can believe it or not, I think they're. I think they play a hundred, hundred and ten games. I think they have a relatively healthy season, which is not that healthy. Hundred ten games between two dudes. Okay, how many have they played so far? 16. So 32, right? Uh, So that leaves them 78 games left. There are a lot more games than that left on the Clippers schedule. If James Harden is healthy in those games, he is going to revert back to I am the best scorer in the world, James Harden. And if he's dropping 25 a night in those games... The scoring average is going to look a lot more like 20 a game than it is 13. Mm. The thing that that's that is a, a very valid point. And I think the thing that the thing that you're not ever going to get from Desmond Bain is eight assists a game. And five, you're getting five now. And that obviously reduces when John Morant comes back. So do you take a hit in points? Do you take do you take a hit in points in, th- in threes? I think the threes stay closer, pretty close to three. The points will drop, but not like super significantly, but they'll drop for Desmond Bain. And I think that's probably that's probably depending on your team build, a drop you're willing to take, especially since eight assists a game is pretty pretty elite at this point. Yeah, and that's that's my point. Is like, you know, eight assists a game is the big difference maker for me there. And would it shock you also if, like, if I said to you, okay, one of these players finishes in the top 20, it's James Harden or Desmond Bain, I would say, for me, more likely player to finish in the top 20 would be James Harden. 
Yeah, even still today, uh, it, you'd be like, oh yeah, no, James Harden probably figured it out. Which it's like saying, like it shows the trajectory of James Harden. He is headed towards Desmond Bain. De- Desmond Bain is headed towards James Harden. But I don't think Desmond Bain's ceiling ever becomes James- what James Harden was. And even what James Harden is, I'm not sure Desmond Bain could even reach that. For sure. So that's a good point. So I, I, I do like that switch. I do like moving uh, Desmond Bain. I'm definitely in favor of moving Desmond Bain. Um, and James Harden is is a fantastic uh, target for that. Uh, which, I mean, I, I target, obviously, like Dame, Dame Lillard shooting 41%. Are you worried about Dame at all in this new situation? Because like, I feel like if anybody figures it out, Dame Lillard figures it out. Oh, I'm not worried about Dame at all. I think Dame yeah. is good. And really, the only thing that's bad right now is his field goal percentage. So such that Dame hits a few more shots, Damian Lillard is, again, a top 10 player, which is pretty much what I expected him to be. Yeah, that's... Um, I mean, I like that. I, I, I love the fact that if you... Someone paid a first-round... Price for Dame Lillard, and honestly, Dame is uh, producing top fifteen return right now. I mean, I'm hearing people legitimately saying, "Oh, Dame's having a shit year. He's not playing very well." The dude is averaging twenty six, six and a half, four and a half rebounds, a steal, and three three pointers a game. And I know y'all don't care about percentages, but you should. And 93% from the line on nine and a half free throws per game is absolutely insane. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, once that field goal percentage comes, it's going to come up. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Uh, I got a couple guys I'll ask you about. Okay. Would you buy... Or sell low on these players. You ready for this? Right. I'm going to start with one that's going to come right right in your wheelhouse. Zach Levine. Oh. Zach Levine, huh? All right, well. I'd buy low on Zach Levine because right now the situation in Chicago is as maybe as poor as it's been since the era between like Kirk Heinrich and Joakim Noah and Michael Jordan, that era that nobody uh, cares to remember who was even on the Chicago Bulls. Um, a very dark era in our history. No joke, the Bulls are probably the saddest team in the NBA. They're the saddest team to watch. I was bitching about the um, in-season tournament a little bit at the beginning of the show. I just want to let you know that uh, the Chicago Bulls were minus 48 in point differential in that tournament. And all the teams, including Boston, who had to like win that game by like 23-some points... The reason they had to do that is because Orlando and Brooklyn whooped up on Chicago's ass, too. 
it could not be a worse situation right now for Zach Levine. Nobody wants to play on, on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the team is in disarray. Two things either happen with Zach Levine. He gets traded, and he starts, and they go, hey, Zach, start getting going after it. And he comes back into form. Or they decide to, like, gut the team, and he'll be the only guy left on the team, and he'll be the only guy left to shoot, which means way more usage and production for Zach Levine. So right now, it looks pretty piss poor, and you might have to wait like an extra month or two. Uh, hopefully it's not till the trade deadline, but unfortunately it might be until the trade deadline. And if, if that's the case, then maybe uh, I, I don't want Zach Levine on my team unless I'm getting him for Max Strauss, right? Or like, for nothing. Um, but I do think Zach plays better in the second half of the season once the Bulls figure out what the hell they're actually going to do. Yeah, I would say that's reasonable. I would also say that I think it's going to be bad till we get to whatever moment we make that decision. I don't see this it's getting any sure. better anytime soon. And no, there's not going to be any works. there's not going to be any trades probably at least until after December 15th. So like yeah, it's not getting better in the next couple of weeks, so it's going to only get worse, I think. Uh That's a guy I don't really <laughs> want on my team right now. Like, to be honest with you, like, I, I don't even know that I'd buy low, like, right at this moment, because I feel like there's going to be two bad weeks still to come, and then the price is only going to drop. So, I, for me, it's like, if I have him, I, I guess I'm just holding on, but, like, I'm also not trying to buy him, weirdly. I'd buy, I'd only buy aggressively low, where you think you might be insulting the person by sending the player. Um, that's the That's the only buy low situation. I'm not trying to, like look for a, a guy who's in the 40 to 60 range to trade for Zach Levine right now. Like, unless it's like someone who like, like we said, who we think is dropping out of that 40 to 60 range. I'm only buying insulting low. Cause I do, I completely agree. It's only going to get worse. And the bulls are notorious for not being able to pull the fucking trigger on gutting, trading their players doing what they need to do to be a competent organization. Um, they, uh, they they seem to drag their feet on it. So if you have to, if you think you, you're going to have to wait till the trade deadline to get Zach Levine, then I'm pretty sure you could get Zach Levine for scraps here in like January. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I'm saying is like, I don't know that I want to buy him now because I think the price is going to be lower in two weeks. But I do think once that figures itself out, Zach Levine does, like, become a top 50 player. Closer to top 40. Like, I think he, he reverts. Like, when Zach Levine gives this shit, he's really an incredible offensive player. Not an incredible defensive player, but an incredible offensive player. And I still think he has that in him, and I think no matter if he leaves or if he stays... Um, his role becomes a lot more prominent um, if a decision is made. And that's, that's once again, expecting the Bulls front office to do something that makes sense. Uh, you might be waiting a decade or two. Uh, okay, I got two more. Zion Williamson, okay. would you buy low? Ranked 135th. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy low on Zion. 
I just wouldn't. We've we've said this a lot about Zion Williamson. Um, well, what, the thing we said a lot about Zion is that he'll ne- he, he's not going to play basketball, and that uh, you should you'll always 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 be worried about him playing basketball uh, and staying healthy. And we don't want him to get hurt at all. Zero percent want him to get hurt. But in order for him to stay on the court longer, which, like I said, number one, if you're buying super low on him, you got to worry about him playing the rest of the season. But two, he has to play in the way he's currently playing to be able to stay on the court, which is less aggressive than he was playing, you know, his rookie year, the second year, when the years when you're like, oh my God, this guy's going to be crazy. The second thing we always say about him is that Zion Williamson, fancy-wise, is only good at a, a couple things, and those things are scoring, rebounding, which he's not even that good at because he's not playing as aggressive as he was, and field goal percentage. He's got absolutely detrimental free throw percentage. You're getting no three-pointers. I will give him a shout-out that he's got his assists almost up to five. So that's something we were like, he's got to improve on. Like, how does Zion Williamson get better? And I I don't see a pathway to him getting much better than he currently is now. And right now, he's ranked like 151. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not getting better there for me. Like, and again, like, he's been healthy. And so how long can you count on that? I don't know. I am not buying low either. Uh, Clay Thompson is my last one. Oh, I like Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson led the league in three pointers made last season. Clay Thompson uh, has. Uh... Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, keep going, keep going. Give me the, give me the, give me the, the lowdown. Uh, he averaged twenty one point nine points, uh, four mm-hmm. rebounds. Two and a half assists. Not many steals and blocks anymore for Mr. Clay Thompson, but 4.4 three-pointers a game last year. Uh, he averaged over 20 points for the seventh consecutive season that he has been healthy. He obviously missed two years uh, with the torn ACL and a torn Achilles in back-to-back years in 2020 and 2021. Um, but Clay Thompson just has not looked good. The shots are way down. Like, just the the average, the number of them, he's not yep. making many. He's taking a lot of very contested shots that just like look very forced. Uh, the other numbers are pretty much on par with what he's done in the last couple of years, except for he's not taking quite as many shots, he's not making as many shots, and therefore he's not scoring as many points. Yeah, it's simple as that. His free, his field goal percentage is you know one point off last season, right? I think I do buy low here, but I buy low, like, very low. Because there will be stretches of time where the Warriors are all healthy, and we all know they haven't been that healthy. Draymond's been out. Curry's been out. Um, And when the Warriors are healthy, it does feel like Clay plays a different role like usually it'd be the opposite in my if if i'm hopefully i'm saying this that makes sense right you would think 
normally when there's injuries, the other role players on the team will take more shots, be more involved in the offense, get more usage. But I actually think it's kind of the opposite with Clay Thompson because Clay Thompson is truly, at this stage in his career, a complementary player. And I think with a healthy team, he gets better looks because when the team is healthy, they're running all of their schemes much better. Everybody's focused on Curry. Uh, Clay is more open. And I don't think it gets back to 22 points a game over almost four and a half, three pointers a game. I don't think it gets back to that. But I certainly think it gets better than 17 points in 2.8 three pointers a game as the season progresses and the Warriors hopefully um, get and stay healthy. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like that, those three just have like uh, great chemistry, obviously, and they just know each other very well. So I think all three of them being on the court helps all of them in a weird way. Like even it helps Curry in a lot of ways. And um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I also think we saw this kind of with Clay last year, where he started a little bit slow, and then he kind of picked it up as the year went on. Um, I think some of that is he's kind of afraid to play like summer games and pick up games because he got hurt there. Um, so I think yeah, I kind think of he's better way. than this, right? Like he's yeah. better than this. I think he gets better. Like, is he going to finish in the top seventy? Probably not, right? I but think though, this is a chance to buy top a top one hundred player. Yeah, at at zero, yeah. and like he's one sixty four right now. Could you give your worst player for him? Might be able. Yeah, to. probably. You know what I mean? And get, like, a top 100 guy on your team for relatively nothing? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a good player. Like, I don't know who someone's last player would be right now. But, like, could you trade Dylan Brooks for Clay Thompson? You might be able to. Could you trade, I don't know, Jalen Green for Clay Thompson? You might be able to. Could you trade, like, maybe for... Yeah, like, somebody like... But, like, Mitchell Robinson? Could you trade Mitchell Robinson for, for Clay Thompson? You might be able to. Yeah, I think so. I think you could do that. I think um, one guy that I'm 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 out on. Like I, I I agree with you. I think we should we should buy low on Clay. Not like incredibly, you know, don't overpay obviously, but buy low. Hell yeah, like absolutely do it. One guy I'm not buying low on though is is Jordan Poole. Oh no, we, no we've said this before. Not. Yeah, Wizards I mean, like, are bad. We... And they keep getting blown out, so he can't even like get thirty-five minutes a game, and he doesn't really do anything besides score you some good points. And I mean, like even that steal game, like the steals were not high in Golden State. Like he was not a good steals guy, so he might not even get you the steal. He might literally be like seventeen points and absolutely nothing else, which is scary. Yeah, that's really really bad. Really really like terrible. And, like, I'll be honest, I, I said he was going to lead the league in scoring. I don't know what's going on here. Like, I don't know why he isn't trying to take this team over and shoot 34 uh, shots. I didn't say it was going to be pretty. I didn't say he was going to uh, become the most efficient player in the world. Uh, I said he was going to be the least efficient player ever and also lead the league in scoring. And for some reason, he's, like, doing neither. That's really kind of, like, sad. Like, it kind of sucks. Like, I was hoping for something entertaining and instead... Uh, the Wizards are just so piss poor. 
and it just feels like he really doesn't want to be there. Like, uh, it's just like a, a punishment to have his own team, which is also like kind of what you thought he would want. So I, I, I don't know what the other thing, that, but I'm certainly not interested in him. Here's the other thing I'll say. Kuzma's just a better player. Like, they're similar in some ways, but, like, Kuzma's just bigger and also better. Yeah, Kuzma's definitely better than Poole. And so, like, Kuzma's the guy averaging 23 points a game, and, like, if they could keep the games close, I think he'd be the guy averaging, you know, 25, 26, 27 points a game. Like, if he was playing, you know, 35 minutes instead of 30, he's the guy probably averaging 26 or 27 tonight and, like, playing that role we thought Poole was going to be. And, yeah, I think Kuzma's just proved that he's a better player. Kuzma like passes the ball. Like he he knows how. Like he's averaging almost five assists a game. Yeah, he's, facts. He's, he's just, just he's just better in every every way. Like he's just and Poole just looks like so disinterested a lot of times. Like it's just a weird dynamic. Yeah, it's not. It's really not great. And I feel like that that situation gets worse too. So it's like not a not only are they. Uh, not able to play f- over 30 minutes a game. But on top of that, uh, if the chemistry g- continues to be an issue and people stop, just like basically stop playing, uh, some of these dudes just might not play at all, right? Like uh, Jordan Poole, I think Kuzma still plays it out, but like Poole might just stop playing. Who knows? Who knows what happens in that situation? Um, one guy I got, I got my eye on, who's actually, he's been playing well. He's kind of like a buy low about a week or two ago, maybe two, three weeks ago. But uh, his playing time has gone up. He's also playing very well. But I wonder, Tyler, if you think he's still a buy low. I'm looking at Jabari Smith Jr. He's been playing exceptionally well over the last 14 days or so. Um, His per-game value on the season is around 90. But he's playing like a top 50 player over the last couple weeks. He, sure, his free throw percentage is up a little bit, right? But what I'm seeing is is playing time. He's getting the playing time in Houston. He's becoming more reliable. That block is at one, solidly at one. Uh, The steals have uh, snuck up a little bit. But his rebounds are good. His points are solid. His threes are solid. He's 20 years old, right? Houston's playing very, very well. So that to me, that's like better than people thought. So I'm actually a little bit worried was if Houston falls off. But right now, it looks like Jabari Smith is on an upward trajectory. If you could still catch him, even if you have to pay with like the top, you know, somewhere in that 75 to 50 to 75 range. Do you want to pay? Do you want to pay for Jabari Smith on his way up? Or is it too late to buy low? That's a good question. And I guess my question for you would be, how consistent do we think the Rockets are? I feel like the Rockets are now a team with a lot of young talent and then also some veterans. And so, like, how consistently do we think any of those players play? Like, you know, do we see a couple hot weeks from, like, Jabari Smith and then, oh, he loses some shots to guys like Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet and... Jalen Green and and those guys and then like we see just a couple of okay weeks and then like there's not much consistency because that team has a lot of like interchangeable pieces I guess is what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. like 
that would be my worry, I guess. So I guess it would depend on where I'm buying. And for young players, like, the discount always seems to go away very quickly when they start playing well. Just because, like, mm. they're always finally breaking out. This is the time. And so, like, if I'm buying him for, like, a top 50 player, I don't think I want to do that. But buying him more at, like, 90 where he's ranked for the season, I, I would probably do that. Because I think he's probably somewhere right around the 75th ranked player for the rest of the season. But I don't know that you can do that. Like, I think people are going to be like, okay, yeah, you can have him. Give me X top 50 player, like, whatever one you want to insert. That's probably fair. Is that those young names do, that, that, that hype still, even if they, like, have a disappointing rookie season, right? The hype still lingers on them. And you said something, I think, in the previous episode about the Houston Rockets. They're 8-1 and one at home and 0-6 oh and on the road. They might be 8-7, and seven, but that's not the, so- the, the sound of a consistent team. Right. And, yeah, I mean, like, it's the issue of just, like, trying to build like skip a step that's really what they're trying to do they're trying to skip a step like they had all this young talent and instead of like trying to figure it out like okc did right we're like okay we're just gonna build it build it build it till the young talent works together they just try to go oh we'll just add in these two or three or four veterans and make it happen and they just that's hard to do yeah they might make something happen they like making the playoffs happen but that trajectory changes because now instead of like like you're saying, OK City does, continuing to develop that talent together. Now, Jabari Smith or Jalen Green has to play uh, a certain style because they're definitely playing Fred Van Pleet. They're definitely playing Dylan Brooks. It's been, it's honestly, it's been helpful for uh, Sengun. Seems like Sengun needed that kind of like Fred Van Fleet style point guard. But, like, what big doesn't need a Fred Van Fleet, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that that just made sense. Of course. And I am surprised Sengun assists are approaching six. I'm, I am a little shocked about that, especially since Fred gets about nine. But that, uh, I don't know, that system does feel like it it does work, but it's, like, it's its trajectory is, like, in my opinion, not headed up. It's like you're saying, it took it took a jump up, and now it's like sitting on this plateau, while Oklahoma City feels like they're on their way up, and I don't know when they're going to stop. Do they? Do they, do, they, do they make it all the way to the top? They might. I, I think, I mean, I think it's possible. They're, they're really good, and like... If- Shea is Gilderson already a number one. Yeah, he's a number one. If Chet becomes the number two and Jalen Williams becomes the number three, and they also have a guy like Josh Giddy, they also have a million picks left to add pretty much anybody, including a couple of really good role players yeah. or another Maybe star. They can add Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. That'd be great. Yeah, so uh, they they might not be stopping. They might be going to the top. Where did Jalen Williams' steals go? Uh, fluky type thing. I think, you know, I think. Would it shock you if he got seven steals in the next two games? Wouldn't shock me. No, not at all. 
And if he adds seven steals in two games, then he's got 18 over 16. And he's at 1.1 already, and he's kind of right back in there. So, yeah, I mean, like, he just needs a couple big games, and they're probably coming at some point. Yeah, and I think I wouldn't call him a buy low, but I would also call him, like, a guy that no one really, like, Jalen Williams, let's just be honest, unless you're, like, a true fancy basketball head, you're probably not paying a ton of attention to Jalen Williams. Uh, we are, we because we like Jalen Williams. And he's not playing, like, significantly worse than last season. He's actually playing technically very similar to last season, maybe even a little bit better than last season. But it also goes to show you, like, that fickleness of those of those rare stats. 1.5 steals puts him in the top 60, and 0.8 steals puts him outside of the, the top 80. Yeah, and he's kind of playing the same as he did last year. One hundred percent. Actually, actually playing more minutes and maybe a little better. Like weirdly. Yeah. It's he's good, not great. Like I think if you could, I'm not. This is not a buy low situation, but like it kind kind of is in a in a little weird of a way where it's like you're not going to get like a significant upside for him. But I don't think people value Jalen Williams much at all. Um, and you're going to get a, if you, he's, he's going to, he's not going to like play less minutes. He in fact might be, he might play better as the season goes on simply because he is, he's like 22. You know, those steals come up a little bit. Well, if you, if you're paying kind of like similar, like a one for one swap, a very similar price where he currently is now kind of in that you know, 80 to 90 to 100 range, if you're swapping a guy out like that, bringing him in, I feel like you're getting the better player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, unless you're getting someone that, like, is in that range because they're struggling in the same way, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're getting it, trading him for, like, Zach Levine, well, you're probably losing that, but, like, if you're trading him for, I don't know, Jamal Murray or Eric Gordon, who somehow is oddly in that range, or Alice Caruso, like, you're winning that big time. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're playing good now, then they'll, you know, play 24 minutes next week, and then they'll play really well for a couple weeks, and then they'll disappear for a couple weeks. And I feel like Jalen's way more consistent. He's, like, boringly consistent, which is good. Like, that's a good thing. Some people don't like that, but I think you should seek that kind of stuff out. Um, Yeah. Sure. You got any other players, Tyler? I think that we've covered quite a few. I think that's it. Okay. Great. I think there's a lot of like opportunity out there right now because a lot of managers probably at this stage are doing the same thing that you're doing. They're looking to make their team better and they're out there looking at the way the rankings look now. If you go and approach buy low, sell high um, directly, and you just go look at the rankings, and you go, all right, cool, this guy's not playing that well, but I know he's better than that. Everyone's doing that. Everyone's making that calculation, right? It's these secondary calculations. Um, like, what is going to happen with Memphis over time? Uh, will Washington ever play one of their players 30 minutes a game? 
what is Jalen Williams uh, Williams role on Oklahoma City? It's those questions there, those secondary questions that allow you to make kind of like a more complex buy low sell high, and potentially like sometimes it's a game of inches. Uh, move a guy here, get a guy out, move a guy in, make the right decision about, let's say, Zach Levine. If you're making the right decision that, hey, I don't want to deal with this bullshit, I'm going to get rid of Zach Levine now while he still has, um, like, name power. And I don't want to do, I don't want to wait till the trade deadline for the Bulls to figure it out. Even if you get rid of a guy who then starts playing better once they figure it out, if you're getting a really good player who's playing well now, or Zach Levine, who are of similar, like, kind of overall, not, like, current ranks, but, like, overall expected ranks. But then you're getting the better part of that deal. It, it's not like a true buy low, sell high kind of um, proposition, right? But you're getting a player who's going to play well for, like, two months while you, you think, and I, I think we think, Zach Levine, maybe for the next two months, kind of doesn't give a shit about playing for the Bulls, which is not surprising. So... Don't deal with that. Go get someone who does care about the team that they're playing for and is actually playing well. These aren't like true buy low sell highs, but like these are the like kind of like the, the game within the game. And I think if you're thinking in that kind of more complex way, that secondary, um, I guess, like cause and effect type of way, you can find these little deals he- here and there that aren't the obvious buy low and sell highs by just looking at a field goal or a ranking or a, a fact that guy's playing really really well who you never even heard of like those are those are just obvious buy low sell highs and if you want more content like this hit us up on twitter you can find me at watch the boxes you can find tyler at tyler p watts thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time